Welcome to the Sound of Musicals with movie musical nerds. We're your hosts, Ruthie and Damani. And this week's episode is a Sondheim tribute. This is a special episode to celebrate the life of Stephen Sondheim, who just passed away on November 26th at the age of 91. I think it's fair to say that Stephen Sondheim is one of the most influential composers and writers of the 20th century. I think it's also fair to say that Stephen Sondheim is one of the most influential composers and writers to the two of us. Yeah. Uh, In this episode, um, we are going to talk about our love of Sondheim. We're not going to give a straight biography. Nobody's going to learn about Stephen Sondheim from us. Everybody's got Google. Uh, Instead, we're just going to kind of geek out on the fun stuff, the stuff that we love to talk about and dish on. So um, let's jump down this Sondheim uh, rabbit hole of sorts and uh, we'll see what we can see. Maybe we can start with uh, Stephen Sondheim's impact on theater. I mean, he wrote 19 full-length musicals. Some were collaborations, some were he he was the sole um, composer and lyricist. And, you know, there was always a, a a book writer. Um, he started off his, his, he made himself known with Gypsy and um, West Side Story when he wrote the lyrics for those shows. Um, That's sort of crazy. I know. Right? He made himself known with two of the biggest Broadway hits ever. Yeah. That they turned out to be that. I mean, clearly there was something special and I think it was something that was kind of new. You know, he certainly had a great mentor. Yeah, Oscar and, Hammerstein. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he really kind of like honed the art and the craft of, of songwriting through that mentorship. Can you imagine if Oscar Hammerstein were your mentor for whatever <laughs> the heck you were doing and you had an Oscar Hammerstein as your mentor. I mean, you'd certainly open some doors. Yeah, certainly open some <laughs> doors. But like you would be like, if you had any talent, you would be tremendous. But I, I imagine yeah. that he would be mentoring people who were tremendous. Certainly. He needed someone to kind of light that spark in him and to, to help bring that out. And that spark certainly turned into, I don't know an eternal flame an eternal flame on you know the theater world i actually i read i was reading a bunch of articles in prep for this episode um and there was one from the atlantic um by sophie gilbert it was called how stephen sondheim changed musical theater it's a great article mm-hmm. and um if you'll indulge me there was there were a couple passages a couple um a couple of lines that that sophie wrote here um saying Sondheim made the musical new. He brought a mathematician's mind to the business of lyricism, confronting each song as a conundrum of marrying emotional clarity with melodic emphasis and the structural limitations of rhyme. But crucially, he also made art for outsiders, which is why most of his devoted fans tend to be artists. (laughs) Sondheim's works take the typically unseen aging women, married couples, bystanders, and forces them into the spotlight. I mean, that's, that's, yeah. It puts it it so well. And there was another 
another uh, quote from that article that was, once you connect with Sondheim, you're his forever. No one else captured love as he did, not as a prize or as an ending, but as something fleeting, hungered for, impenetrable, or even toxic. Oh, isn't that gutting? Once you connect with Sondheim, you're his forever. I think people I mean. are trying to connect with their inner Sondheim as they write. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Just so the the way he kind of changed it. And there were other articles that I had read that were, you know, talked about how he kind of, he changed the game. It wasn't about, you know, so much making a hummable tune. She was kind of criticized for not like, mm-hmm. <laughs> your, your, your music isn't hummable. I begged it everywhere, but whatever. It they were different kinds of stories. It wasn't, it wasn't the same kind of story that you know, Rogers and Hammerstein were writing. This was different. This wasn't uh, folk. It was focused on love, but not as like the two lovers and they, you know, it, they you sing know, a bunch of songs right, about it. Like right. I think that you know when we did the Gypsy episode. I think it was sort of clear there. I think you told that story about everything's coming up roses. Mm-hmm. And there was somebody who was like, everything's coming up roses what? Right. Everything's coming up roses what? And I think that like, you know, his phrases, I mean, they were common phrases. And yet they were, uh, uh, they were there were larger metaphors that sort of weren't there previously. And um, I think I remember Sondheim talking about this. Like, um, who was it? Maybe it was Cole Porter or somebody. He was talking about how he didn't like Cole Porter so much because of his... And Oscar Hammerstein was like, no, wait. You have to look at what these people are doing. You have to say, look at the way he brought language into into his... And it might not have been Cole Porter, but I'm... I'm saying it was Cole mm-hmm, Porter because mm-hmm. that's what I think. Look at the way he's using the language. And I think that, you know, like, and then when you see the way Sondheim uses language, I think it was clear that, you know, like, he caught on, like, oh, maybe if I'm going to be working on these things, I need to see how I use language. It changed the game. I t- You know, I actually wonder, though, how much it changed the game. Because when we think of the golden age of musicals, maybe Gypsy, maybe West Side Story, but the rest of his musicals, like they're for like musical theater folk, whereas everyone knows all of the all of the other musicals from the golden age of musicals. I don't know. Is there like a definitive timeline on like when the golden age of musicals? I feel like the golden age of musicals was from is in like the forties and fifties. And I feel like Sondheim's, Sondheim's, that the ones we consider to be like solely his start post that. Yeah, the ones that are solely his did start sort of after what the golden age of musicals were. Um, but I guess I wonder, like, what was the, revol- the, the revolution? Because I guess maybe technically you think of a revolution like musical theaters are bigger than they were ever before. But they were certainly different. They were certainly like pieces of art. You didn't have to, like the songs weren't made to be pop songs. Right. They were like part of 
the story. Oh, that that was Julie Stein's Julie Stein's critique of um, of the lyrics of some of his lyrics were like, I, like, I can't give this to Sinatra. I can't give this to X Y Z. Sinatra's gonna want a song from this show. Mm-hmm. And so that I remember uh, hearing that was ju- one of Julie Stein's critiques, mm-hmm. and how Sondheim was like, you know, that was the, that was the beginning, and that was a shift in the way musical theaters because these were no longer the pop songs; these right. were right, and that character of uh, Gypsy Rose Lee was no longer sort of a cookie cutter you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, stock character. Maybe that was the, the line in the sand between the golden age of musical theater. Yeah, that would make sense, right? Because, yeah, there were stock characters up to that point, and then suddenly they became a little more relatable, a little more realistic, or like, mm-hmm. or so, you know, just not the, the typical characters that you would see. Right. So, Sondheim was not a fan of movie musicals. Did we know this? He was he he was not a fan of movie musicals. Now we have a whole podcast dedicated to this, and two of us, Damani, you and I, love everything Stephen Sondheim. Right? We do. Sondheim just he. I was reading about it, and I saw interviews, and he felt that most movie musicals were too similar to stage productions that they just were simply they took the stage directions Mm -hmm. and they set up the camera and they were like now do the musical that was our critique of gypsy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was precisely our critique of gypsy oh it's beautiful i know sort of how it would have looked on stage Mm -hmm. uh, um, except for maybe here here and here you could see it in another world, and that. Right. But that was our critique of Gypsy, right? And I think I think that was the case for for a lot of movie musicals that were made before a certain point in time. And it's definitely now since reading this and seeing and and kind of starting to think about that. I think that's something I want to think about for the show going forward, for our podcast going forward, to think about you know. Would Sondheim, that could be a new question, would Sondheim approve of this movie musical? <laughs> but, you know, I, I, would, I, think, I guess I would also sort of push back against, you know, that characterization. Because even up until the 80s, sitcoms just really looked like stage productions. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. Through the 80s, they just looked like stage productions. Mm-hmm. Now, there were like... Um, Sort of those, uh, 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 you know, the cop show, the detective shows and whatever. And they had a little bit more something to it. But they right. were still mostly that one camera shot sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, you know, uh, it, it, in the 70s, even yeah. when, when they were on their grandest scale. So, I mean, I don't know. I think that that's how people saw things. I think that... Yeah. Like things, I don't know. I feel like, um, I don't know. I don't know about that, about that critique. Mm. I mean, I, I mean, I will say that the context of the quote was around Sweeney Todd coming out. Mm-hmm. And 
this is where he said, my reaction to the film is that unlike all movie musicals, in fact, I'd say all the movies made from stage musicals that I've seen, this is really a movie based on a musical. It's not simply, as all the others are, a film of the stage musical. So, you know, he was saying that, mm-hmm. you know, whereas, like, Chicago came out a couple years, a few years before Sweeney Todd. So, it's like, Chicago came out in 2002. Sweeney Todd came out in 2007. Where, like, Chicago had scenes that were almost exactly like the stage version mm-hmm. where like there was a, in a set in a smoky jazz club there was that that jailhouse rock have you seen chicago yet i have not that's right it's on her so there's the scene <laughs> in, um, it, i i can kind of equate it to like it looks like jailhouse the jailhouse rock you know mm-hmm. where there's like the the wall and there's the cell blocks and the women are in the cell blocks and that's kind of it's very similar to it didn't really look different. It was cool. It was very cool. And I, when we when we talk about that movie, I have so much to say because that came out at a very formative time in my life. Gotcha. But, but he, Sondheim himself said, like, Sweeney Todd, when it became a movie, they, it was a movie. They didn't try to recreate the scenes like they looked like on the stage. That they made it into a movie and added the music in. Okay. Now, we did Dreamgirls, which came yes. out before Sweeney Todd. Right. And I wouldn't have characterized that as being a show where they just tried to redo the scenes. Like, it was a very sort of vivid uh, film where, I mean, I don't know. The context were changed. Which I, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I don't think I'm... Wait, I don't think I'm... I'm not saying that... Up until Sweeney Todd, no other movie did it. I'm saying for Sondheim himself, mm-hmm. for him, I think seeing his own musical, I think that might have been influential for him okay. to say All right. Sweeney Todd was unlike the other ones. And I, I, I want to say he said something similar about West Side Story. It was an article from the AV Club. He said, I don't think West Side Story is a good movie at all because it's not a movie. It's a photograph of a stage. And when I see a gang of juvenile delinquents dancing down a real street, Broadway, in color-coordinated sneakers with color-coordinated wash on the line behind them, I'm not scared. <laughs> that is excellent. I know. Yeah, he, he said this himself. He, so, he said it in an interview. <laughs> that, and that makes sense to me, because when I think back to that movie, I'm like, oh, it's very, like... It's it's unrealistic. It doesn't feel like this is real life. Yeah. It looks like I'm watching a I'm watching a scene, which isn't uh it's not bad, but it's just it's different, you know. No, and that's it, true. Like when I think of when I think of the majority of mu- musical movies that I've seen, My Fair Lady, Oklahoma, really some of the older films, that is true. West Side Story is mm-hmm. in there. Uh, uh, oh my goodness, The Sound of Music. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, they all do seem like snapshots of what you might have seen on stage. The postcards, did he say? Uh, photographs. It's a photograph Photog- of the stage. Photographs of a stage. No, yeah. I think that, no, I think that there's, 
there's truth to that. And I think that was one of the things that that we talked about when we talked mm-hmm. about all, when we talked about all of the older musicals that we saw. Yeah. Yep. When we talked about Gypsy, we definitely talked about when we talked about Guys and Dolls, we talked mm-hmm. about that. And um, I think we made those distinctions when we saw like Rent mm-hmm. and uh, when we saw Dreamgirls. Like, oh, these are like you you feel like this is a day in life. Yeah. Yeah. Even like Little Shop Two was a little bit mm-hmm. more like stagey and not like, oh, we're in real life. I would love to see a real lifey version. That's what I'm going to call it. A real lifey version. Uh, uh, stamped. Perfect. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> um, Sondheim was not, even though he wasn't a fan of movie musicals as a whole, um, an awful lot of movie musicals are made <laughs> out of his shows. We've We've talked about some. We've referenced some. We've done episodes about a couple of them. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. We've done two this season. Um, one may come out before this episode is released. The order of them might be a little bit different. Actually, no, let's just say it. We recorded Into the Woods before <laughs> before, before Sondheim <laughs> passed. So we may make reference to him where we actually speak to him, but the episode will come out posthumously uh, for Sondheim. Um but the biggest movie musicals that came out, there were some like TV specialty movie musicals that kind of came out, but um, West Side Story in 1961, and it just came out last week, the new version. I'm so excited to see that and to see how different it is from the <laughs> the one that got a little <laughs> critique. Well, we know how it's going to be different. It's going to be an yes. actual film. And there will be actual Latinx folks in the movie. Well, more than the original. You know, you know that's interesting because that is my main critique mm. of Sondheim. And that's, you know, generally speaking, my main critique of musical theater is... I, you know, part of me feels like I don't want to use the mm. word diversity because, um, uh, you know, I mean, diversity has a positive right. connotation, but what it really is is it's exclusion, and that's my that's my main problem with musical theater, and that would be my main critique mm. of. But there's not enough. It, yeah, no, that there's it, mm-hmm. exclusion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that would be my main critique of him. And I don't know what he has to deal with casting yeah. or what have you. But we live in a world yeah. of people. All kinds of people. Could have been a little... All kinds. Could have been a little more inclusive. All, all <laughs> kinds of people. <laughs> um. But what we do know of West Side Story is it's yeah. going to be an actual yeah. film, and I'm, I'm really excited to see, just excited to see it. Um, but the original came out in 1961, and it was followed up by Gypsy, uh, which we did an episode on. Um, after that came a funny thing happened on the way to the forum, which mm-hmm. all of these we should. Have-
Night Music in 1977. So there's like almost a decade between Funny Thing and Little Night Music coming out. Now you watched a Little Night Music with Liz Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor, mm. if you will. Mm. Yeah. I've got to tell you, I will likely That's never fine. watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> Though, there were some amazing singers in the, sh- mm-hmm, in, mm-hmm. In the show. There were some amazing singers in the show. Okay. But um, I can understand why yeah. I got the reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there wasn't another one, really. The I mean, the next one was Sweeney Todd in 2007 with Johnny Depp and Helena Bonham Carter. Um, followed up by Into the Woods, which we do have an episode on. Uh, with, John, with Johnny with Depp Johnny again. Depp again. Um, <laughs> and... Of course, the West Side Story remake, and apparently there is a movie version of Merrily We Roll Along that is in the works. Now, have, have you ever seen Merrily We Roll I have we not, Roll but when I, when I took the Stephen Sondheim course in college, uh, we did have to read it and and listen to it. Um, but the basic, basically, it's it follows three friends over... 20 years and it goes in reverse the show starts when they are older and it moves backwards and so what they're doing is they're actually going to be filming these same actors the same actors over the next 20 years so that they can actually produce and create the film in reverse oh that's I so know. cool so that is very so neat cool. I also Hope they all. Hope Damani, they all make I didn't it. want to say it out loud, but as soon as I said it, I was like, "Oh, jeez, oh my goodness." <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they'll be okay. We're not putting it out there, you know, the bad juju. Um, okay. No, I don't want to put bad juju out there, but <laughs> no, but I thought about it too. And- <laughs> Shit happens, you know. But anything, anything can happen in the Lee- woods. Lee- let me tell you. <laughs> oh boy. Um, I hear it's also coming back to the stage. Merrily we roll along. I don't think it was well received. Well received, not a bit. Not Originally, a big one. no. Hold on. I actually think it was uh, considered a. Oh, you say flop. Um. My so my brother and I we like jazz. Hmm. And um, one of our favorite musicians is John Coltrane. And we I didn't realize he was so young when he died uh, because I was young when I got into him. I just thought he was an old guy. And then I'm like, oh, my goodness, like, I'm like the same age. Anyway, uh, he his music got more avant-garde and more avant-garde as he got older. And I remember my brother picking up an album and saying, like, I can't listen to this. <laughs> And, and that's what how I picture Stephen Sondheim when he's writing. I feel like he doesn't care what anyone else is thinking or how anyone else will receive <laughs> the music. He's just going to write it. And so you'll have a whole bunch of people who love him who are going to be like, what? Yeah. What is this? It got majorly panned. 
but it's I feel like people like wanted to do it again it only had it ran for a total of 16 performances and 52 previews that was it yikes yikes indeed but I think I wonder if people I mean I haven't read a whole heck of a lot about it but I wonder if people wanted to if they became just fascinated by it and they were like okay well how can we how can we make it better how like or what's wrong with these people that they couldn't see the vision behind it I mean I guess uh, though I'll say Sunday in the park Mm -hmm. with George don't love it me either (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I love it. Like, and so, like, I can get how someone can see. Like, it's like I'm also I'm a Prince mm. fan, and he's come out with some albums where I'm like, okay, maybe there's what, maybe there's one song yeah. on the album, but then I'm like, oh, I, what am I gonna do with this? And so, I mean, you know, we're all not a, no one's immune right. to that. Uh, well, okay, so just on that Sunday in the Park, um, one one of my favorite Sondheim songs is from that show. But I don't fully, I don't really understand it. I've never been able to follow it there. Oh my God, it feels so good to say it. I've never really been able to follow it. <laughs> um, and I think I, I think I freaking saw it on Broadway. I blocked out, I've blocked out some, some things from college. So my brain is kind of like, it's kind of pruned away some memories, you know, but I, I think I saw it with my Sondheim class. And even then I was like, I don't know what the heck is going on. <laughs> I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> it was visually beautiful. But. <laughs> Confusing. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, the man was like, he was like, I'm writing this thing. I saw this picture. I fell in love with it. I'm going to write this thing. Yeah. And other people, other people who saw the painting were like, oh, what the hell is this mm-hmm. painting? And he was like, yeah, this painting. (laughs) But have you seen this painting? Oh, my gosh. I have another, hold on, quote from, oh, gosh, what article is this from? Uh, Rough Cut Cinema. This is an article by Johnny Diaz. This is published in, like, 2019. It's called The Cinema of Sondheim. Um, Uh And talked a lot about his movie musicals it's great um it was a good article he said unfortunately sondheim's artistic experimentation and willingness to embrace uncomfortable subject matter meant that hollywood wouldn't come calling for some time from the time a little night music was made until sweeney Todd came out um Unlike contemporaries like Jerry Herman, Andrew Lloyd Webber, or his mentor Oscar Hammerstein, um, Sondheim's musicals don't often contain big, splashy production numbers or uplifting melodies. It's true. That's not, you don't get that traditional you know, masquerade or... Um... See, you know, but I, but I also wonder, like, you know me, always questioning. Like, Into the Woods came out in, what, 89, mm-hmm. 90... Something like that. That could have been. That could have gone straight into the movie. Theaters. But could it have? Though, and Mommy? people would. I okay. think so. Right, like, I I can't I can't remember how many people were, uh, particularly after the PBS special, mm-hmm. were bouncing off the walls yeah. within yeah. the woods. And I remember, like, when they showed it 
when we showed the uh, we show I didn't show anything. When Mrs. Green showed uh, the PBS special in class, mm-hmm. and I remembered like all the whispering going around that we were going to watch the Into the Woods PBS special in class. So clearly there was an audience for yeah. it, and all and all of these kids weren't musical theater weren't musical theater people. It was just something that was sort of yeah. hot. And so, I mean, like, but it took almost, I guess, 25 Mm -hmm. years for it to hit the big screen. I think it was just never right. And it actually, if you watch, I don't know if we talked about this during our episode, but um, there was a, an extra on the, on Disney plus, if you watch into the woods, there's an extra and I'm sure Mm -hmm. it's on the DVD too, but I think I loaned my DVD to somebody and never got it back. Anyway, Oh, my bad. <laughs> um, but um, they, the director talked about like, you know, it just, it's t- it took a long time for it to be right. You know, for, I think it took a long time for the vision to be right because it's the version that was, ended up being made wasn't just, it did, it wasn't a filmed version of the stage production. Like it wasn't just, oh, here's a set with some trees and like, it was. It had to be made like a movie could be made, and I don't think musicals were but being see, made like that at the time. Right, but you see, that's what I think happens. Probably happened with his productions. He probably saw a little night music, which was not a bad production. Mm-hmm. I mean, visually, it was okay, right? Um, he, but he probably saw some of the earlier stuff, and he was like, "I'm just not gonna let them." ruin my yeah. shit. Especially since if he if he wasn't a fan of movie musicals, for him to be like, mm, I, it's gotta be right. It's gotta be right, because I don't right. like the way they all are, you know? And, um, a Little Night Music was yeah. panned. Was it panned because it... It was like a freaking BBC well, yeah, special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was, it, was it just because was it the cinematography? Was it, like, the set? Or was it the voices? the acting so there was much ado about liz sure. taylor i don't remember them when i saw some of the, the the things them talking about the singing in general okay but it seems sort of out of place but i can't imagine that if that show were done today if they did a film of that today and uh that it wouldn't be like the juiciest sort of downton abbey mm. And sophisticated production, and they just weren't sophisticated. I w- I want to see more. Where I feel like we're getting so many more movie musicals being made now because people are like, oh, we can do something different with them. We can make them into films. That's right. We can do them well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here's a question for you. Okay. Um, what do you think was Sondheim's biggest show? Okay. I mean, the first thing that came to my head is West Side Story. Now, but here's the thing. And I've been thinking about it a lot because there's all this buzz about West Side Story now, again. He wrote the lyrics, which is what we all hear, right? It's the mm-hmm. it's the language of the show. But I, do we... Oh my God, I'm... I, I'm going to say it. It's coming out. Is it really a Sondheim show? 
Because he wrote the lyrics, he didn't write the music. I don't know. I just thought about it. I'm not saying it's not. Not musically. But, right, not musically, like, it's not not a typical, it's not the quote-unquote typical show, like what he wrote afterwards. It just speaks for thought. Not musically. Right. But if we're talking about subject matter. Right. They didn't, they didn't just, I think the subject matter is, I mean, Sondheim didn't write about Puerto Ricans in any of his (laughs) other shows. But (laughs) the subject, but subject matter, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's more Sondheim uh, than it is um, uh, uh, South Pacific. Okay. Okay. Than it is Hammerstein, right? Yeah. And so. Okay. I mean. I'm inclined to say that it's a, it's, it's a Sondheim show. It's listed in his major works anyway. So obviously it is considered to be a Sondheim show, but it's not, a, it's not one of his like, I like, he didn't do the music and lyrics for it. He did the, the lyrics doesn't mean he was any less influential on it but you know i'm gonna say this Mm -hmm. i'm glad he did i'm glad that that was leonard bernstein yeah and i'm glad for gypsy Mm -hmm. that it was julie stein yeah because musically those are two gorgeous musicals oh yeah absolutely right Uh, and so i'm i'm glad he didn't but i am glad that he wrote the lyrics Mm mm-hmm uh, I am glad that oh, he wrote the lyrics. Certainly, uh, because when I think of other lyricists, uh, Oscar Hammerstein, I think of though I will say, Richard Rogers could have probably written the lyrics to West Side Story and The Gypsy, and mm. they would have probably been pretty good. But when I think of other lyricists, I'm not you know, like like I only see Sondheim in yeah. the lyrics. Yeah. And I see, and we see like a difference on time in those lyrics. Yes, I, I well, sort of me is like, oh, this is where his real talent is. Yeah, like he's truly a talented lyricist. Uh, like I feel pretty. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, oh wow, look at this! Like he can do this. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, he's effing brilliant, you know. But anyway, my 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 whole point was even though he was quote unquote just a lyricist like it's still considered in his body of work he's still it's still know. considered a Sondheim show West Side Story was by I think by far the most successful I think followed up by Into the Woods I think that's correct I think it's West Side Story and then it's Into the Woods Yeah, no question but he didn't win anything for West Side Story no. And I think that that's, I think that's funny. Yeah. Being his, like, first venture, I mean, like, obviously, I think it, obviously now we know what a brilliant work it is. But at the time, I what was it up against? We looked this up before. So West Side Story lost the 1958 Best Musical to The Music Man. 
You know why? Because everybody loves Donald Trump. (laughs) 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 There's the lesson in that. Yikes. Everybody everybody loves Donald Trump. Everybody loves a con man. We have, um, we had, we did record, this is for anybody who's listening right now, we did record an awfully long episode on uh, The Music Man that we'll release someday. But it was really long. <laughs> and we talked a lot. We talked about it. Entirely, entirely too long. I think <laughs> maybe the reason why we had a whole month of <laughs> no, no episodes because <laughs> we spent so much time on Music Man. Um, I have forgotten that period of time. <laughs> uh, wow. The other musicals that were out at the same time, um, New Girl in Town, O Captain, and Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And I've heard of none of those other three. None of them, but I want to see Jamaica. I want Me to know too. what that's about. Oh, hold on, I'm gonna, I'm gonna read you a little bit. Oh my, uh, it is set on a small island off the coast of Jamaica and tells about a simple island community fighting to avoid being overrun by American commercialism. Well, how about that? Jamaica, the musical. Okay, West Side Story, the movie, won Best Picture in 1961. It won just about everything. It won everything it was nominated for except for (laughs) Best Screenplay. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. The other movies that were nominated in 1961. Did any of the, I'm sorry, did any of the songs get an Academy Award? I didn't see that when I was on there. I don't know. Best Picture, Best Director, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress, which, oh, Rita Moreno. Can I tell you, <laughs> my brother, who's, I, I don't want to say he's not a fan of he's not a fan of movie musicals like i don't think if he gets the choice he's gonna be like yes let's watch this movie musical but i will say he was in a couple of plays with me when we were in school Ooh. was he, he had, the tall kid no he was he didn't get his growth spurt until after like later on in high school when okay. he was i know he was kind of like he was a little guy he was wicked cute he's still wicked cute <laughs> um but he he texted me out of the blue he, you know, whatever, we're, we're, we text, we talk like most days, but he texted me just in the middle of the day, yo, Rita Moreno is almost like, she's in her nineties. I was like, you know who she is? <laughs> you know who Rita Moreno is? Like, it was just so funny. And I was like, what did you see? Like, did you see an interview with her or something? He was like, yeah, it was on, it was on TV, like at work. <laughs> I was like, wow. <laughs> He's like, he was just in awe of her. The fact that she's like, she, she just turned 91 and she's all over the place. She's dancing with Jimmy Fallon. She's like, great. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta be seen. Isn't that, that's the gig, right? That's it. You gotta be seen. <sighs> Though so I do not know what the heck, other than One Day at a Time and West Side Story, what else she's been. Well, that's the thing is that she wasn't. She didn't get parts like after West Side Story. 
she wasn't getting a whole lot of parts. We'll talk about this like in depth during our West Side Story episode, I think. But um, yeah, she it wasn't like, I don't think she was blacklisted, but it was like she just wasn't getting offered roles. Up until West Side Story, she was getting offered parts where she was playing like the island girl or like, you know, the native girl on the island. But it wasn't like they weren't real deep, meaningful parts. But that makes sense when we talk about like it's not about like exclusion. Yes. Do you know who she had um, a deep connection with, a tumultuous connection with? Our boy Mumbles. I don't know, but this uh, but this sounds juicy. It's our boy Mumbles. Oh, how he about that? Oh, I think you told me this. Tumultuous. Yeah. It was yeah, it was not always great. It was not always sunshine and lollipops. Everything was not coming up, Rita for a while mm. well we i can't wait for us to talk about west side story now i'm real jazzed about it i'm like i'm ready to do it <laughs> so so we both can maybe agree that the biggest are west side story mm-hmm. and into the woods but what is the best sondheim show oh geez now i would say that west side story has the songs mm-hmm. and Everybody knows the songs, right? From from West Side Story. Is West Side Story better than Into the Woods? I I think they're very different. They're, I think that they're. I feel like they're too different to compare. I I personally hesitate to to compare them. So for pop songs and for hit songs, I would go with West Side Story. Hondo Pay. Like every day of the week. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Though I will tell you this, for me, it is unwatchable. (sighs) Yeah. That 1961. Well, no, I mean, just as a show for Mm. me. I'm like, I can't watch this. (laughs) Okay, but is it story or is it? Like, also, have you seen this? This would just be like we can cut we can cut pieces of this to put into our West Side Story episode. Have you seen the um, a stage production? I have. Me too. Some some time ago, and I think I told you that I was cast in a production. Yes. With my college, but I couldn't do it. Mm. Um, but the show for me is unwatchable. I don't. I don't like it, but I love the songs. Mm-hmm. I love the major songs, mm-hmm. like the good ones. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, but as a show, mm. not your fave. Yeah. Okay. Now, as a show, I love Into the Woods. Yeah. As a show, I love it, but I also realize everyone doesn't love it, right? But you know, there's actually a name for those people. Stupid. 
Stupid. Oh my <laughs> Sorry, goodness. Yes. I just I had to jump by it. Yes. <laughs> yes. Stupid. <laughs> and this is where all of our podcast listeners go. F you guys. <laughs> Sorry, you're in for Stupid. a world of hurt. <laughs> oh come on. You do come on. You don't like into the woods. There is something wrong in your DNA. Yeah. Maybe the people who don't like it are the people who didn't get, like, good parts in it in high school. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, Or people it. who don't like fairy tales. Yeah. I'm so partial to it, and I wax poetic about it in our episode about it. Yeah, I just think it has so many, so many element, elements to it. But I will say, like, I really did like Company. Yeah, Company's got good songs, too. Yeah. You know, I think... Sunday in the Park with George, I think, critically is like, it's a critical darling. And didn't the Met do Sunday in the Park with George? Didn't they do a production of Sunday in the Park with George, the Metropolitan Opera? I think so. I know. And they made a big, I think they made a big to-do about it, too. Jake Gyllenhaal was in it, was in a production of it. You guys can't see Damani's face, but... He's pulling a real face. No, I, I, he actually, I think, did a good job. Actually, I, it came up. I was listening to some Sondheim playlists on Spotify, and it came up, and I was like, oh, I recognize this music, and I was expecting Mandy Patinkin, and I was like, that sounds a little bit like Mandy Patinkin, and then I just like glanced down. I was like, oh shoot, like Jake Gyllenhaal really let himself clearly be influenced, mm-hmm. which is, it's fine. Which is okay. Mandy Patinkin, I never know whether I love him or if I don't. I, I never know whether I love him or if I don't. I'm not saying I don't like him. Oh, yes. Right? But I'm talking about love. Mm-hmm. Whenever I hear him singing, I'm like, do I love his singing? Or am yeah. I just... You know, he did um, on an album, he did a recording of Soliloquy from Showboat. Mm-hmm. And I was mm. like, oh... He should not have done this song. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, mm. Why did they let this man do this song? I mean, he's not. Mm. <laughs> I have thoughts about that. I need. <laughs> well, you can hear it right now. Like I can still hear it, and it's been like twenty years. Yikes! But, uh, but I, I can't remember whether I love him or not. But would we agree that maybe his best show is Into the Woods? I think so. And I don't want people to be like, oh, it's just because you were... Nah. I just... I think it's beautiful. I think I love everything about it. Though I'm gonna say, when I listen to the lyrics in Gypsy, Mm -hmm. I'm like, this man did a great... I so want... Gypsy to be his best show. Interesting. And small, like small world. Like whenever I listen to it, I'm like, that is so good. Yeah. It is so good. Yeah. And when I listen to Everything's Coming Up Roses, I don't think he has another song like that. As a matter of fact, that sort of. Lyrically? Because he didn't write the music. Right. Lyrically, he has songs that are, I mean, that are saw time, mm-hmm. but right, but I think that a song like that, if the lyrics don't work, 
the song doesn't work. And it was perfect. There's no other Sondheim song like that. None. And when I hear Everything's Coming Up Roses, I think we discussed this, the song that I compare that to, and not so much in style, but is, and I am telling you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for each song, the lyrics are, are perfect for the style, the characters are in some way trying to convey the same thing. Yeah. And that, like, in that sense, I feel like I see them in the same light. And I'm like, oh, wow. This is, t- for me, some of Sondheim's best work. And it was so early on in his career. That's the. It was, that's right. It was you know? so early on. Yeah. So, you know, so we're talking about those songs. Mm -hmm. Why don't we uh, talk about some songs that are like, we're talking about super popular Sondheim songs. Let's talk about, like, actually talk about the super popular Sondheim songs. Uh, Send in the Clowns. Oh, yeah. That became. Now, when we're talking about, like, popular, they either entered into pop culture, like, beyond the theater world, or they're, like, they become, like, almost like the new standards or or staples Mm -hmm. on the concert circuit and cabaret circuits send in the clowns is definitely send in the clowns is there yeah uh somewhere tonight from west side story Mm -hmm. um everything's coming up roses yep with like without a Without a question. Yeah. Uh, children will listen. Oh, yeah. That one's, it's so, it's come up an awful lot. And it's, it comes up with like babies and mm-hmm. people thinking about their kids. It's just I, always there. You know why? I, I think I love that song. Because um, I think we mentioned South Pacific earlier. Mm-hmm. And there's the, you've got to be carefully taught. Mm-hmm. And that song sort of reminds me of, like, of that song. And I, it's in some ways, I feel like it's an answer to that song. Whereas, you know, like, you've got to be carefully taught, says, no, you got to drum these things in their ear. Mm-hmm. Whereas children will listen, says, no, maybe not. Yeah. They're going to see what you do and learn what you do, what to do by watching and listening to. And, uh, oh my goodness. I was, um, I didn't even know I was going to go there, but, um, I was, uh, and I can't remember the fella's name, but I was reading an article by this fella who talks about microaggressions and he talks Mm -hmm. about like, these are not the things that you have to teach, right? You don't have to teach prejudice, all children have to do is see it, and that is the greatest lesson. And so that's sort of my thing behind children will listen to why I love it so much. Because I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why the world is, you know, uh, where it is. Though, growing up, I loved the song, You've Got to Be Carefully Taught. And mm. sort of like, as soon as children will listen came into... It's, you know, sort of came into my life. And I was like, oh, no, this is correct. 
Yeah. But I love sort of I love how the those two can occupy a similar space. Yeah. Both talking about the influence, you know, influencing over children, but one is direct versus passive. Interesting. That's a good point. Uh, and it's covered sure not a lot. Uh, being alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Company. Uh, I want to say I heard that on sort of uh, on a Sondheim tribute concert. And I can't remember who sang, who sang it on And I bought an album of Sondheim tribute concert. And I said, this is just so amazing. And that's when I, and I'd heard the song previously, uh, but mm-hmm. it never came so alive than uh, when it was when, when I heard it in that concert. It's um, I it's powerful no matter who's singing it. I mean, in the original production, it's sung by Bobby, oh. who's a guy who's in his thirties, who's single, like perpetually single, and it's like him finally coming to terms with like, yeah, I, I want to be with somebody who like makes life worth living and like we can share this life together and that's being alive, you know, and it's, it's always very powerful. But I think when it's, when it's, uh, sung by a female actor, it's also like, it's equally as Mm -hmm. powerful. And that's, I mean, the production that's on Broadway right now, it has a female body. Bobby oh, I. oh, I'm um, sorry. It was Bernadette, I think, in that concert who was singing oh, Being Alive. Yes. I know. Uh-huh. Yes. I know that what you mean. Yes. Yes. And it's just, yeah. And I think being a perpetually single woman in her 30s, hearing that song, it's, yeah, like, it's it's great. It's very influential. And it, I think the meaning of it kind of changes when it's a woman who sings it. There's, like, a different message behind it i think as a woman when i hear a woman singing the song it's like oh yeah i can Mm -hmm. effing relate to that shit (laughs) you know when i listen to the song and i wonder if maybe this is where sondheim was coming from so i don't think of the song about being about gender and but i'm also not a woman Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. i see the song of uh you know as being about race Mm. Uh, and so I think that maybe that's why the song is so powerful for me. And I think maybe Sondheim oh. saw the song maybe in a similar light, you know, being a gay man. I think, you know, possibly. Uh, yeah. But I definitely see that song about being about being about race. I would love I would love to see an actor, a person of color in that role of Bobby. Ooh, that would bring a whole other layer. But, you know, see, like, this is my thing about, and, you know, I feel like I'm no longer going to be saying diversity. And I'm going to be talking yeah. about exclusion. Because recently, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a, a black actor is playing, um, uh, I'm not sure, Glenda in Wicked, right? Yes. This is not for talent that there haven't been black actors who couldn't play these roles it's this is sort of 
This is, you know, I, I was talking to someone the other day, and I was saying, oh, look at all these Disney films, like Raya and some of these other things. They finally mm-hmm. found a different colored crayon. Mm-hmm. And so, um, uh, you know, and so maybe this is why it connects so much with being alive, because I think there's another, I just think there's another thing about, like, this person, why is this person not? feeling these things or having these opportunities to feel alive to feel like they're Mm -hmm. loved you know being held too close you know mocked Mm -hmm. with praise you know why and so that song has always been sort of a a close one for me and and i think that goes back to something we talked about before was that sondheim wrote for the people who are typically Mm-hmm. unseen or typically excluded and i mean I, he did write pacific overtures and i'm not thir- i'm not well versed and knowledgeable about that show but i know that it is it surrounds i want to say mm-hmm. japan and right it's a story of like it's a japanese based story or story set in japan rather but you know, I think that if his songs can be sung by anybody and the meaning behind them changes and I it would be oh, it'd be really great to see people who no longer get excluded. People he's writing these musicals for people who typically get excluded. So let's have more people who typically do get excluded in yeah, these productions. The productions. You know. Come on. Um also from company. The Always. Ladies Who Lunch. Just you know, a good diva song, man. I mean like amazing song. <laughs> uh yes. I was I wanna say and this was some time ago, this was some time ago. A documentary on the recording of the cast album for Company. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was like 19 or something like that. I was in some musical theater class. Professor Joseph Leonardo, Temple University. You know, if he's still alive. Hey, Joseph. (laughs) Uh, And I remembered seeing this, and I was like, oh, my goodness. This is like... I remembered, you know, once again falling in love with musical theater, seeing the um, the cast recording done, and mm-hmm. seeing Stephen Sondheim look like this young person. Yeah, how different, mm-hmm. right? And um, Alan Stritch did "Ladies Who Lunch," but it was the last song to be recorded. In uh, on that day, and generally, you know, they record it live with the orchestra. And so, mm-hmm. what I think happened was they re- they pre-recorded, they recorded the orchestra, and then she came back the next day, and just sort of seeing the difference between an exhausted singer and an exhausted actor mm-hmm. and a well-rested actor. I feel, uh, you know. Um, it taught me a lesson. 
And this is sort of this lesson that I sort of I share with my students in life and things like this. And so, like, at the end of the week, I'll, like, text my students, like, hey, you know, remember to have a restful weekend. Remember, and it's mm-hmm. all because, and like, it literally <laughs> is because... Because you saw Elaine right. stretch, like... It is literally because <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what rest can do for you. Yeah. And so this is like one of those songs that is in my head. For sure. Um, you know, I, I there is another article. I'm just going to keep referencing articles. I read an article um, for from IndieWire. It was written by Jude Dry called Sondheim is Having a Great Year at the Movies. And it was from 2019. And it wasn't that a movie musical had come out. It was that so many Sondheim songs were being put in, uh, not, not as like songs that you hear in the background, but were being sung in all these different movies and TV shows. They were just popping up. Um, and you know, this, this, the author of the article was saying, you know, every Sondheim song is a five act play. (laughs) And even, like even the best Broadway actors struggle to fully connect with his media songs. So just all these people who are trying to portray these songs and trying to sing these songs, like they're not always hitting the mark or not always getting like the true meaning behind it. And you have to wonder like, why did you, why did you choose to put this seemingly random Sondheim song just in this, um, in this scene? This person said like a movie star doing Broadway the greatest test of a musical theater actor's medal is how they choose to interpret Sondheim. Otherwise, the music is just an empty signifier. But sometimes it's all you need. Right. right? Um, you know, have you ever seen someone singing and you're like, wow, everybody loves this person, but they're just an okay singer. Everyone doesn't hear singers for everything that a singer hears singers for. Right. You know, some people are like, you know, some people, as long as it's their song and someone's singing it, it's great. Mm-hmm. As long as someone does a certain sound, whatever that is, right? Oh, love this. And so sometimes like an empty signifier is enough. Yeah. For this person, they were saying, you know, choosing to take on these like masterpieces, these like monumental works. If you don't have like the right coaching or like whatever behind it, it kind of, they said it, it indicates a lack of understanding of everything Sondheim stands for. I don't know. That's a pretty, I, you know, a part of me thinks that that doesn't make sense. Cause the guy clearly, you know, put it out there. And he was like, hey, you know, like, I mean, clearly he was standing for money in those moments. Yeah. Was time? Yeah. I mean, like, you know, for, for people to use his work and this, the, the, the conclusion of the article was saying like any exposure to Sondheim is good exposure as long as it's like getting the message out there and it's probably going to be, you know, it's good that it's, it's being like 
shared with more and more people, especially in like a TV or, or movie viewer audience, that where it's not a movie musical, that it's like randomly like somebody stands up and starts singing a Sondheim song in a karaoke scene, like a scene in a karaoke bar. And so even if they're not singing it well, or they're just kind of like singing it to sing it without having like the meaning behind it, that it's still like, whatever, it's still Sondheim exposure. So it's still a good thing. So I guess I'd like to ask, what are some of your favorite Sondheim songs or lyrics? It's a lot of the ones that we've just talked about, right? Like being alive, children will listen, send the clowns. Um, but I also like uh, not getting married from company. It's you have the three, the three singers, and they each are like, one has you know is so excited to get married, one is dreading it, and the other one is just like your narrator. It's kind of like look at these two people. But if there's so many lyrics packed in. That's one of those songs I would love to master and sing. I liked. Uh, I like Someone in a Tree from Pacific Overtures. Now, I don't know a ton about... I'm not super familiar with the, the show, but I really like that number. Because it's... They're, it's this this person like telling the same story from different perspectives. Somebody's listening from under the floor. Somebody's listening from a tree. Somebody's listening from like... It's really good. It's a very good song. Um, I love Move On from Sunday in the Park with George. I don't really understand what's what's happening in the scene. <laughs> but, um, but just, I love it. Um, and Maria from West Side Story. How about you? So, um, I think my favorite Sondheim song is somewhere because it is so hopeful and it doesn't it's hopeful but it's also not um starry-eyed it doesn't sort of try to obscure the now it's like in spite of this we're going Mm -hmm. to we're going to do that. And so I think that, that is my favorite Sondheim song. Mm. I think um, maybe Send in the Clowns is my next favorite Sondheim song. Because, mm-hmm. like, once again, once you get to the lyrics, point in fact, I hate the melody. <sighs> It's challenging. Well, I, I, I just don't like it. Right. Uh, but every time I listen to the lyrics, I'm like, yeah. Isn't that always the way? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that always the way life is? Right? Look mm-hmm. at us. I'm here. You're there. Right? And so I sort of love that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I love that song. Uh, of course, you know, the song that I have in my head every day, No More from Into the Woods. Mm-hmm. And there's part of that song 
and it's there's um and I think we discussed it um particularly when song uh with the original Broadway cast Chip Saints says, you know, no more questions please and then that little pregnant pause after please knocks mm-hmm. me down every time and i think we talked about how um in the shakespeare in the park i was like i did not like the baker because he mm. didn't give me the please right I, like and i know it's at the end and you know i'm on the fence yeah. about it him the whole time and then I felt like he ruined my favorite song, you know, because I'm in that mm-hmm. song for the, the please. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One I, missing it, cause. Really and... like that. The please. Now, now mm-hmm. when you go back and you listen to it, like you'll hear what I'm what I'm talking about, like. Uh, and so I think that those are my favorite. I think that those are my favorite Sondheim songs. Uh, you know, no question. Oh, mm-hmm. agony, misery. Oh yeah, yeah. So I could probably, and I think maybe we're on the same thing. I could probably name, like, you know, every song from that show, "Into the Woods." And I know. Say, oh, I, this is. I realized that I didn't list. Yeah. yeah, like I didn't say, you know, moments in the woods. Okay, yes, no, it's brilliant. Like, if life were only made of moments, even now and then a bad one, but if life were only moments, you'd never know you had one. Boom. Oh, I think about that all the time. Remembering you had an and when you're back to or makes the or mean more than it did before. Get like, get out of like, here, really? Like, what? Come on. I know, I know. But... Yes. There's so, there's just so many. And there are more than, you know, this is just the first list that I could compile. And and you know what's so interesting? And so I think you and I both share, you know, a top five musical in Les Mis. But I don't Mm -hmm. have that same connection to songs from Les Mis as I do for, 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 you know, for, for, for songs from Sondheim. And maybe it's because it's mm. one piece and it's a one-off for for the lyricist. Uh, or unless it feels mm-hmm. like a one-off for, what's his name, Kretzmer? Who did the, 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 the English adaptation? Herbert Kretzmer? I love it, but I don't know okay. that much. Well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, there's nothing else that I'm comparing his lyrics to. There are no the, the the body of work is just in that one piece, and so like the beauty of having a song time is that I can look over the pieces and then I can just focus in on this one thing and say, oh, this thing. Um. But yeah, that whole show, that whole show, and then across all these other shows, there are these nice little bits. The bits that just kind of. They get you right mm-hmm. in the feels. Who, who, what is your favorite cover or version of a Sondheim song? I'm, I'm, I'm sort of drawing mm. a blank. However, 
I really do love one that I listen to a lot is Rola Lesparza's version of Being Alive from the Revival of Company. Okay, so I don't know it. And so now I'm going to have to go back and listen to it. That's yeah. such a great damn song. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It's very intense. Yeah. His version is, it gets very intense. And I remember the first time listening to it being like, holy cow, this is powerful. I do love Bernadette's version of it too. That woman could sing me the phone book. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, no. for all of you young people. <laughs> 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 I had to explain to my students what a um, an answering machine was recently because it was it came up in a reading and I was like do you even know what this is they were like what so made me feel old made you feel old um, how about you any favorite covers Probably too many, but I'm going to name two versions. So the Temptations do a version of Somewhere on an album called In a Mellow Mood. And Temptations fans talk about that album. So this is a side note on whether you have the original or whether you have the subsequent release of the album. And if you have the original, it's a different purple on the, <laughs> yeah. So, oh. so there's Have nothing to do with that, the music. Well, no, you know, like when you're a fan, you get into all the, uh, you know, minutia. But the right. way Somewhere is done on that album, it knocks me down every time. I'm like, oh, this is, mm. this is Somewhere. And then it was very special. I hadn't heard it until you sent it to me and it was unlike any any version that I had heard before. Unlike any unlike really any version, version. And part of me is like, oh you know, this is this is right for this is done appropriately for the style that it's in. Loved it. And so um right. And I always wonder about this next one. My one of my favorite singers, Carmen McRae, does um, "Send in the Clowns," and we were talking about mm-hmm. how Sondheim didn't like Lady Gaga's version of some song. That sound of music on the Oscars. Her version of what? The oh. sound of music. <laughs> wow! It wasn't even his tune. <laughs> All right. No. And we were talking about how he didn't like it. And part of me is like, oh, I wonder if he would have liked, or if he did like, Carmen McRae's version of Send in the Clouds. Because, uh, well, there are plenty of versions that Carmen McRae has of, of Send in the Clouds. But every single one of them just hits me right to the core. Because mm. in my mind, she really connected with the lyrics Right, I I think that she could have been on stage doing that song. I think she could have been in the show doing the song. I don't know where they're going to have the three piece mm. band <laughs> doing it with her, but, <laughs> <laughs> but um, 
that's those are my favorite um covers covers of Sondheim. Do you have a favorite Sondheim character? Oh, the baker's wife. Uh the baker as well. But I think for me the baker's wife is she was such a grounding presence mm-hmm. in that show in Into the Woods and was kind of was glue you know was the the rock for the baker and even though like she she was deceptive she wasn't you know a hundred she wasn't good fully good and didn't make morally good choices all the time possibly it's up for debate it she still was like she was she was influential and she was what held everyone kind of together. And then when she, when she died, everybody else kind of, everything fell apart. And that's when every, like stuff got real. And mm-hmm. they realized, Oh, that mother figure, that person is no longer here to, to guide us and tell us what to do. And you quoted, you, I mean, naturally quoted some lyrics mm-hmm. from the baker's wife when you were quoting lyrics. You mm-hmm. just naturally, like, spat out. Yeah. I'm, her, you yeah. know, like her voice. Yeah. And why do you have that connection to the baker's wife, oh, though? Oh, because I played the baker's wife. <laughs> hey! <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, a million years ago in high school. But, yeah, it just... And I, I think even if if I hadn't had that opportunity, I would still, I think I would still feel the same or a similar way about you know her presence and what she means to that to that show. So yeah, how about you? Uh, so yeah, you know, um, the first person I think of. Uh, and I think we talked about this in the Gypsy episode, was Herbie. Mm. And I liked him as a character. But he can't be because he didn't sing in the in the musical, <laughs> in the movie. And so, like, he, he can't be. But I thought he was... and But he was a lot like the baker's wife. Yeah. When we think about this sort of stabilizing, uh, stabilizing force. So I think that, like, absent the baker's wife mm-hmm. uh, absent herbie i'm gonna say the baker's wife too yeah as my favorite character yeah she was a stabilizing character and um i also thought she had fun songs yes yeah it was fun to play her <laughs> i'll tell you that and but it was challenging challenging music but fun songs to sing and it showed too like i think her her songs are kind of, they kind of showed what everybody struggles with when they have to make a decision that's, there's no mm-hmm. right or wrong answer in this. There's no good way to get what you like to get what you want. It's not going to be just like, oh yeah, it's easy. Just do X, Y, Z. Like you got to jump through all kinds of different challenges and, and the choices that you make aren't always going to be, good morally good choices 
Yeah, and when you look at that character, I, I, I always like to look at the range of emotions mm-hmm. of a character. And I guess maybe Herbie didn't have that huge range of emotions. But when you, like, when you look at her character through the show, she has to do a lot. Mm-hmm. She does the carrot. She does the stick. She does the sort of... Uh, it, was, it wasn't begging, but cajoling. Like she, she, she does all of she does all of the things. You see her with sorrow, like you like the full range of emotions. Yeah. And so I, I think that that's why I like that character. And if it weren't her, it's got to be the witch. Yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, but, but I definitely, uh, I would agree with the baker's wife. Mm-hmm. Definitely an influential part of my life. Okay. So, usually we like to end with like a unique question. We like to end our episodes with a unique question. However, today we're going to, uh, we're going to take a little quiz. And the quiz is, uh, you can find it on playbill.com. How well do you know your Sondheim movie musicals? So let's see. This came out in 2017. That's a little bit uh, older now. But but valid, right? Yeah. Still relevant. Valid. Still relevant. Yeah. Okay. All right. So here's a little Sondheim quiz. How well do you know your Sondheim movie musicals? Okay. All right. Here's the first question. Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. Uh, which of Sondheim's musicals was first adapted for the silver screen? Was it A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, Gypsy, West Side Story, or A Little Night Music? Oh, I know this one. Mm-hmm. Miss Natalie Wood, West Side Story, survey says, yeah. Woohoo. You're correct. Question two. Which of these Sondheim musicals has yet to receive a movie adaptation. Sweeney Todd, Follies, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, A Little Night Music. Uh, That would be Follies. It's not been made into a movie. Although it it would be very interesting to do. Very interesting to see it as a movie. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> Correct. All right. Here's the next question. Question three. Uh, which of these songs was cut from the final release of the 1962 film adaptation of Gypsy? Was it Small World, Rose's Turn, You'll Never Get Away From Me, or Together Wherever We Go? Ah. Small World was not cut, but Herbie doesn't sing. Mm-hmm. Which makes it stupid. Um, it's stupid. It's stupid it's, if he doesn't sing. It's dumb. Rose's turn was most definitely mm-hmm. in it because we talked about it mm-hmm. and how it could, should have been bigger and better. Yes. So these last two, I cannot, I cannot recall. But I think we argued about together wherever we go I think. I think. You'll never get away from me. I don't remember... But I feel like we argued about together wherever we go. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say together wherever we go. Pew, 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 pew. 
Yeah. Correct. I know. And the little note here says that the it was shot for the film adaptation, but the song was deleted before the movie was released. Oh. But if you get, if we get the DVD, you could see the uh, bonus feature and see some well, of the. I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna have to do that. Uh-huh. Question number four: Which of these Sondheim movie adaptations featured an original cast member recreating their stage performance on screen? A funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Into the Woods. West Side Story. Sweeney Todd. Uh, that would be a funny thing happened on the way to the forum because it was Zero Mustel. Oh, look at you and just name dropping. Yeah. Correct. You are correct, sir. Pseudolus. I remember seeing a local production of forum and thinking it was like the funniest thing I'd ever seen <laughs> I'd love to know like with adult eyes would I have thought the same thing um okay fifth question which of Sondheim's musicals was most recently adapted for the big screen now this is from 2017 wow okay uh was it Into the Woods Company Sweeney Todd or Gypsy I think we're going to go with Into the Woods mm-hmm. Slam Dunk. Survey says. <laughs> Correct. There you go. 8% of people thought it was Sweeney Todd. Come on, people. Well, why would they do that? They just don't know. No, they don't. Complete this lyric from the film version of West Side Story. I feel pretty. Oh, so pretty. I feel pretty and witty and blank. Oh, crap. Is the answer gay, bright, brave, light? Mm. Well, I think I remember reading about this, and I cannot remember which one. It's either gay or bright, because the next line is, and I pity any girl who isn't me. And in one version, it's today, and one is tonight, right? I think that's it. So, mm-hmm. I think it's bright in the movie version. Ah, it's gay. I, <laughs> I was, I was trying to stare you down. I can't see so you. That, oh, you're oh. sharing your screen with me. Because <laughs> I'm sharing my screen. I with can't you. see you. Bright. I know. Well. I'm going to stop the screen share so we can cheat. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So in this, yeah, I remember this now. Uh, On stage, the scene takes place at night. Night and bright. In the movie. I I wonder what it's going to be in the new one. Will they go back? Oh, yeah. Who knows? Okay. This is a good question for you because you have just recently uh, watched this. Where does the 1977 film adaptation of A Little Night Music take place? Is it Sweden, England, Austria, or Budapest? Austria for the win. That's right. That's it. Austria. But the stage setting is in Sweden. Number eight. Which of these songs doesn't appear... 
in the 2014 film adaptation of Into the Woods. Cinderella at the Grave. No more. It takes two. No one is alone. It's no more. And it kills you. And it kills me. Every time. Every time. Wrong things, right things. Who can say what's good? There it is. That's uh that's no one is alone. Question nine. Oh wait, I'm reading this one too. Okay. Oh, you're reading this to me. Okay. Which Sondheim musical took the longest time to make it to the silver screen after opening on Broadway? Was it A Little Night Music, Sweeney Todd, Into the Woods, or West Side Story? So it's not West Side Story because that went like straight to movie. Yeah. Um, not a little night music. So it's Sweeney Totter into the woods. Into the woods is ninety to twenty fourteen, so that's like twenty four years. Sweeney Todd is like two thousand seven, from like eighty six, eighty four to two thousand seven. Uh, so part of me. What's to say that Sweeney Todd might have been from the 70s and not the 80s? And so I'm going to go with Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. I was thinking it was like 86, but then I was like, oh, no, Sunday in the Park with George is from the 80s. Yeah. Sweeney was from 79, and it took 28 years, 28 years to make it uh, onto the silver screen. Into the Woods came out in 87. And it took 27 years. So almost as long, but not quite as long. All right. Yeah. 87. So I so I was wrong on the time frame for both of them. But not quite. Me were off by like a few years. But, but. Pew, 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 pew. You still got it. Okay. So here's the last one. Question 10 of 10. Which of these Sondheim movie musicals didn't win any Academy Awards? Funny thing happened on the way to the forum. Sweeney Todd, Into the Woods, A Little Night Music. I want to say, I remember. I think I remember us talking about Into the Woods didn't win any awards. I mean, that would make sense. It got nominated for a lot, but it didn't. But A Little Night Music, never mind, was like panned, but doesn't mean it didn't win anything. Mm. I'm going with Into the Woods, though. Because I'm pretty sure. I, that, I don't that know. That sounds right. That sounds I right. I know we talked about it. Pew, pew, yeah. pew, pew, pew. Into the Woods. Well, well received by critics and the box office, Into the Woods was left empty handed at the 2015 Academy Awards. <laughs> it just, uh, people are, people are dumb. But, as a film, Fantastic film. Right. Fantastic film. Yeah. Who cares what the award, awards mean nothing. I certainly don't care what the awards, awards mean. Awards mean nothing. I don't even watch award shows. I do. I don't like watching the Grammys. I think the Grammys is like the worst of all of them. But that's I, just I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't think I've ever watched an award show. And if I did, I don't. You never even watched the Tonys, Damani? No. I just have this thing. I don't care to see a bunch of rich people 
waxing poetic about how good other rich people are. Mm. I I watch them mostly for the performances. Mm-hmm. Like I watch the Tonys for the performances, especially because like I haven't seen like any of the shows mostly. Like right. I you know right. But now I can watch everything on YouTube. Exactly. Shh, don't tell it. Don't tell on us. <laughs> uh oh. I think I think they know. <laughs> <laughs> I think they know. Well, Stephen Sondheim, wherever you may be, thank you. So much. And thank you all for listening to the special tribute episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us at the movies. See you at the next movie musical, nerds. Nerds. <laughs>